Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Praise the Lord. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Isn't he a great God? We love him so much. So thankful to be here. We're so thankful to be home. It just feels like um, it just feels like a breath of fresh air for the both of us. And we're so excited to be here. And uh, I was telling Pastor, it's been crazy because uh, we were two weeks ago, we were in Wisconsin, right? We were in Wisconsin. <laughs> and then um, then we were in uh, Minnesota. And so on Monday morning, we got up and we drove 23 hours to get here. So it's, um, it's been a fun journey, and Jason drove the whole way. So he deserves a hand clap for getting us here safely. <laughs> he did a great job. I may have held on for dear life a few times, but no, it's, it's been wonderful. But um, just thank you so much to Pastor Knowles for inviting me. Thank you to the Tower of Pentecost. We, this is our home, and we're just so thankful to be here. And I'm excited to talk a little bit tonight um, about something the Lord's just been talking to me about. And I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 5, um, starting in verse 15. And uh, I'm going to read through 21. And if you want to follow along with me, this is, what I'm, this is the portion of Scripture I'm going to be talking about tonight. And uh, verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs like we were doing tonight, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. I know that's one of Brother Brian's favorite scriptures giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And uh, the, the phrase that really stood out to me in this passage of Scripture is the phrase, redeeming the time. And uh, it just it kept st- standing out to me every time we read, read this, and I started doing a couple devotions on this, I, this concept about redeeming the time, and I really just want to share some insights with you and some things that I think we can do, because I think we could all agree that the days we're living in are evil. And what Paul is solemnly telling us is we have to use our time to the very best ability that we have in these last days. And uh, the Lord was really convicting me about it and talking to me about how I use my time and where I spend my time and how I manage my time. And so um, I'm going to pray tonight and just ask the Lord to be with us. I'd um, Yes, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for the opportunity to be in your presence, which we feel here tonight. Lord, I thank you so much, God, for every soul, every heart that's in this place, praying that you would just touch our hearts and our minds, God. Lord, that you give us peace that passes all understanding. In the days that we're living in, Lord, that you challenge us and help us to be filled with your spirit in everything that we do. We love you, Lord, and we magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
So how many of you have ever used a GPS before? Ever, ever use it? Okay, so if you use Google Maps, now some of you, you don't need GPS, right? You've lived in Tri-Cities your whole life. Nobody needs that, right? But if you do type in the GPS, a lot of times it'll say your estimated time of arrival is this. Now, if you're like me, what I like to do is look at the estimated time of arrival and see how many minutes can we shave off <laughs> in the time from here to the destination. And if you do get that time back, right, if you arrive five minutes earlier, 15 minutes earlier, in our case, like an hour and a half earlier <laughs> with Jason driving. And <clears throat> so basically, <laughs> he is a great driver, actually. And he gets us where we're going quicker. Um, but um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. So that idea, this concept, there's almost like a satisfaction that comes into us, right, thinking, wow, I saved some time. We shaved off that time. How excellent is that? And when we, we typed in that drive from Minneapolis to Tri-Cities, it said 23 hours, and we made a couple stops along the way. Actually, we made a lot of stops, and every single time, every time we stopped, the time would go higher. And then we'd get in the car, and the time would come back down, and then we'd get in the car. So we actually, even with like seven or eight stops, we made it at the same estimated time of arrival. And so, I, again, it was just this idea, redeeming the time. And I really believe that God gives us, he gives us this ability in the last days that honestly feels so convoluted and full of every kind of distraction. He gives us, through his spirit, the power to redeem time, to literally take it back into our own hands and use it for his glory. How many of you have ever felt some regret about wasted time in your life? Anyone? Anyone ever felt like, man, I really wish I would have, you know, not been on social media for three hours? What happened? You know, or something along those lines. I'm just being real, right? <laughs> this is the day and age, the things that we battle against. Uh, or, or maybe it could be something even bigger in the sense that there's a period of our life where we thought, man, I really wish I would have done it differently. Or I would have spent my time more wisely. But I think that this scripture that, that Paul addresses to the Ephesian church gives us hope. That even if maybe we haven't done everything right in the past, we still can make the best use of the time that God has given to us. And we can really consider the time that we've been given as a gift and an opportunity to really use it for his glory. You know, um, what the Apostle Paul is doing, he's making a solemn call in this passage of Scripture to the productive use of our time. And he really asks us this question in a kind of subway but do we use our time productively for the kingdom of God? And, you know, time is such a fascinating concept. If, you, if we start digging into time in the scripture, it's amazing. Because God doesn't really exist in our concepts of time. But he created them for us. Like in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he made the day and he made the night. And he made basically our weekday. And he did all of this to put us in a certain time zone, time frame. And you kind of wonder, like, what is that? But it's amazing. Time is the great leveler. It is the one resource that is allocated in absolute egalitarian terms. Everybody gets the same amount of time every single day, <laughs> which is like, it doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're the busiest person in the world or you're not. We all get 24 hours. And every living person has the same number. Um, the clock doesn't play any favorites. So we all have this equal measure of time in every day that the Lord has allotted to us. And it all kind of goes back to how he created the universe and our solar system. And what is it? The sun revolving around the, or yes, the sun revolving, or no, the earth revolving around the sun. Wow. 
my brain. The sun does not revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. It's been a while since I've been in school, if I'm just being honest, but I do know that information. So, um, but where we differ from what, see, you guys can probably correct me on these things. I need a refresher in my science classes. Um, so where we differ from one another, this is where the rubber really meets the road, is what we do with our allotted amount of time that God has given to us. That's really what it comes down to. So when something is redeemed, it is rescued or purchased from some negative condition. The last time I spoke, I spoke about Ruth, and I was talking about the kinsman redeemer. And the idea in this case is that we are in some ways buying back time. We are, we are kind of grasping it and taking it into um, his plan for our lives. So the basic negative condition we are concerned with, and probably I would say in this day and age, because we live in such a an efficient society. I mean, we, I, we have cars and we have planes and we have pretty much every convenience at our fingertips. You'd think we should have more time than any other age in history, right? Because of so many conveniences that we have. But it seems, and this could just be in my mindset, that we are actually maybe producing less than what we used to when we had much more difficult means of life. You know, I, we were know where we were we were talking about the old settlers you know coming west and just the, they didn't have the basic things that we have and I think wow they must have had no time at all but it's amazing what they produced it's amazing what they accomplished it's amazing what they did and so I would say the, the condition that we are trying to overcome is waste and it's distraction that is probably our biggest challenge in the 21st century is not that we don't have enough time but that our time is just so convoluted with so many different things and um, to waste time is to spend it on that which has maybe little or no value. So the late Vince Lombardi, anybody know who that is? Yes. Yes. All the men raised their hands. <laughs> I had to look him up. Um, anyway, he introduced the adage, <laughs> I never lost a game. I just ran out of time. And this points to one of the most dramatic elements of sports, right? The race against the clock. The team that is most productive in an allocated time is the team that wins the game. There are, no, there are timeouts in sports, but there are no timeouts in life. Maybe the only exception would be Joshua in the Old Testament, where the Lord had the sun stand still. That's the only time that I can find in Scripture where he stopped time, or he stopped that movement. And so we're really looking in, in this day and age ways to redeem the time, beat the clock in some ways, and um, really it comes down to the concept that all my time is actually God's time, and it's um, and all my time is my time by his delegation. So if we can come to the realization that God owns me and he owns my time, we can maybe become better stewards of it. And I, I promise I'm not going to give a time management seminar. <laughs> Those have never worked for me. Um, and something my mom said that she said, Janelle said, was that it's really not a time management problem. It's actually a self-management problem. And I was like... That's very wise advice and very true. Because we cannot dictate or manage time. It goes no matter what we do. If it continues on no matter what we do. And um, he has given me a measure of time over which I am a steward. And we can commit this time to specific tasks and we can invest it in certain ways. But ultimately, we all have to give an account of that time. We all have to uh, kind of come to the realization that time, if we don't, steward it, if we don't pay attention to it, we probably will lose it. 
So um, talking about this fight against distraction, but I want to dig into the passage of Scripture where Paul tells us that we can. there's a redeeming of the time in these last days. That word redeem comes from in the Hebrew, which we see a lot in the Old Testament, where the Lord says he redeemed the children of Israel out of the Egyptians, meaning that even though they spent 400 years in slavery, which for most people would think, what a waste of time. What a, what a terrible time lapse for the Israeli people. And yet God took that, and out of it, he, he redeemed them. He took them out of slavery and made them his children and made, him, made them the greatest nation in the world. And sometimes that's how it works. God puts us through these very difficult seasons of time that really feel like they meant nothing, that they were a waste, that really maybe you might felt like I didn't have any purpose or, wow, God, how did you let that happen to me? That was just four years I'll never get back or maybe investing in something. But the beautiful thing about using the Lord is, or living for the Lord is that your time, if, it, if, you, if you truly give it to him, it's never wasted. And I truly believe that even the seasons in my life that I look back on and think, wow, I wish I could have given so much more. or I wish I could have done so much more. I really believe God uses those things in miraculous ways to redeem the time that I have now. He gives us wisdom. He gives us guidance. He allows us to learn through those circumstances. I think about Joseph. I mean, if you look at the accumulated years of Joseph's life, you could probably look like 21 of those years were just a waste. Like, first he was in slavery, then he went to Potiphar's house, then he got thrown into jail, and just all that combined total. But then look at what God did through Joseph. Even though all that time was taken away from him, there was a redeeming that took place. But the Greek word for redeeming comes from a word, I can't say it, but exagerazo, exagerazo. I should say it kind of like Greek, but I can't. <laughs> so, um, by payment of a price to recover from the power of another, to ransom and to buy off. I really do believe that in the last days, you know, if the, if the enemy cannot destroy us, which is really his first and foremost task, right? He wants to destroy our faith. He wants us to just forsake everything and, and, and buy into the despair and hopelessness that the world presents to us. I mean, if I, I, I'll be honest, if I listen to the news for maybe more than 20 minutes, I just feel like everything is reeling out of control and have to kind of get back and remember this is not where I want my time to go. I really want to focus on what the Lord, but if he cannot destroy us, he will distract us. I do believe that. If the enemy cannot destroy our faith, he will distract us from the most important things that we should be spending our time on. And so this idea of redeeming redeeming your time, um, I would like to just maybe share with you... um, six or seven just points of some ways that we can redeem our time in a practical way. And then I want to talk about just the larger, um, the larger big picture point of view. But it's very interesting. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and 11 and 14, I'm going to read through the NLT, but just listen to what, what the scripture has to say about time that we live in. So there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose in this is that people should fear him. 
That is the NLT version of Ecclesiastes 3. And I, I was reading on this and thinking, wow, time is an amazing gift that God has given to us for each season in life. But it also sometimes feels like a curse. Like, I really wish I could just stop the time or I could, uh, I could reverse it or it just, it can have so much control. I think about how many times I look at my watch every day. I can be so consumed with what time it is. Uh, even in just teaching this, I've looked at the clock like four times because, you know, you're conscientious and thinking about, okay, how much time do I have? Where's the time? What's the deadline? How's this going? And so it can, it can really rule us. But the Bible actually has two words for time. Um, the first word is chronos, which means time governed by the clock. It's the time that we live in that has its set measurements, and you cannot get out of them. Um, Kronos time is not the kind of time we remember when we die, though. It's, it's more about quantity. It's about uh, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, and years. But the Bible has another word for time, and it is called kairos. And it means words that um, it's time measured by special moments. And it's very interesting. We were, I was talking to Jason one day. I was saying, you know, the Bible says, honor your father and your mother, and, and he'll literally give you long life. That's what the scripture says. I think, well, how does he do that? You know, like, I'm a, first, I'm going to honor my mom and dad. But second, how do I get that long life? And, you know, I started thinking about it, and I was like, you know, sometimes we measure life by that 70-year range that the Bible talks about, and, and we consider that long life. But sometimes I meet people who are 70 years old, and maybe their life has been filled with just absolute dread, boredom. It doesn't feel like a very fulfilled life. But then you meet some people who maybe are 25 years old, and they've lived life. They've been full of moments. They've been precious. The Lord has granted them so many blessings. And sometimes I thought maybe that's the long life sometimes that we, we get when we live for the Lord. We honor our parents. We, we live a life that's submitted to the Lord. It's filled with the joy and the goodness of God. And so I was thinking about that and thinking about that. But, you know, life, it, there is a destination we're headed for, right? We're headed, we're looking toward heaven, which is eternity written in our hearts. But there's also just some practical things that I'd like to talk about. You know, living for the Lord is often a paradox. And, and it's a paradox because it contradicts so often what the world teaches us. And, for example, the paradox of, I'm going to say the first thing that really, I believe, will help us redeem time. The, the world is very much based off of work-based productivity, meaning that the more you can do that people can see means the more productive you are, the better you use your time. But the Bible really focuses on a grace-based productivity, meaning that it doesn't always show on the outside that maybe you are accomplishing a lot or using your time wisely. So, for example, when we as Christians say we spend this much time reading the word and praying in the morning, a lot of people see that as wasted time, that it really is taking away from the allotted 24 hours that you have. I mean, you're not going to get those back. That's one hour of your time. And, and I think even though we know it as Christians, that's not something we should do. We spend time with the Lord daily. It, it really is contrary to our natural flesh, really, really contrary to what we think success looks like. Because success is so outward in the world that we live in. And, and um, it's just amazing when we talk, start talking about time, how much it is linked to our success. But my number one, um, and this is, some of this is coming from a devotional that I've read, is um, start with the word. 
if we can start with the word when we wake up in the morning, it's amazing how much research has already been shown that if you look at your phone first thing in the morning and you check your email or you check your social media, you're bound to be less productive within your day. But if we can start with the word and model what our redeemer looks like, we must first know him, his purposes for the world, and what he has called us to do with the time he has given us. In Mark 135, it talks about Jesus saying that in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Looking at the life of Jesus, our redeemer, he lived such a humble life. Only three and a half years of his ministry before that, we don't really know much about Jesus' life at all. But if we consider what he did, um, it really was nothing too glamorous. I mean, aside from healing everybody <laughs> and preaching the gospel and, and saving us, but if, if you looked at it from such a, um, like a human perspective, he, did, he had no great talents. He was not the most successful businessman. He was not, we don't know if he was athletically inclined. We have no idea of these things. But we know that he is the greatest man to ever live, that he is our savior, our redeemer. He accomplished more in one act on the cross than any other thing in history, showed us more love than we could ever have. And so it's amazing his lifestyle was so marked by compassion for people, but also by prayer, by time in the word, by going to lonely places. I think Luke says that he went to a lonely place, I think, three times that Jesus went away when he could. And so... That would be my, my number one, is if we can start our day with the word, we will redeem time back. I really believe if we start with that, that, that mindset of, Lord, I want to know what your plan is for my life first, we will eliminate so much distraction throughout our day, so much purposeless things that we do. The second one is let your yes be yes. This is a really hard one for me. Um, to redeem our time in the model of our redeemer, we must ensure that our yes is yes from the smallest to the biggest commitments. We kind of live in a day and age where it's like nobody wants to say no to anything. And really, if you say no to anything, then you are maybe not so great. Do you know what I'm saying? We don't want to look as any way lesser in some way. And I'm saying this from a person who, like, struggles to say no with all of my being. It's horrible because you want to give and give and give and give and give and give and give. And there's so many avenues in the day that we live in to just, to just run ourselves so thin. And sometimes what happens when we say yes to everything is that we end up dropping a lot of our commitments. And so it, becoming intentional about what we say yes to is really important. And what also happens is if we say yes to anything, then we become stressed. If we always say yes, we'd probably be stressed. That's probably a good thing to write down. You know, it's just <laughs> a rhyme, right? But, you know, when we get stressed, then we get to worrying. And, and worry can take up so much of our day. Um, stress, fear, all of these things. And so this idea of letting your yes be yes really can begin to eliminate because when we start thinking, oh, wow, really, I don't really need to do that. That's really taking time away from the things that are most important to me. Helps us redeem that time. The third point is a descent from the kingdom of noise. So oftentimes we actually have to fight for our time with the Lord to block out the noise, the distraction, we're, we're looking for stillness and reflection. I once read the book, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Has anyone ever read that book? It's a pretty incredible book that C.S. Lewis wrote back in the early or 1940s and 1950s. And it's a series of letters written by a devil or a demon um, on a mission to destroy a young Christian's 
walk with God. And there's a devil named Screwtape who calls the age that they're living in the kingdom of noise. And this was back in the 1940s and 1950s. But if we think about it today, what an age we're living in, the kingdom of noise. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. And obviously, when we talk about silence and we talk about um, noise, I'm not, just think, I'm not just thinking about external noise, right, which is the big bass sounds you hear when you're going down the highway and someone's got it turned up all the way, making us listen to their music or whatever. But, um, but the nonstop news, entertainment, buzzing of devices, but it's also referring to the internal noise that blocks our ability to be silent and reflective. So really, if, if it's so difficult in our day and age to silence that inner voice, that constant flurry of distraction and noise. And so there's a Psalm 46 tense tells us to be still and know that I am God, to really take time to reflect that he's in control. Number four, which leads back to number two, is to prioritize your yeses. To redeem our time like Jesus, we must decide what matters most and allow these choices to prioritize our commitments. You know, Jesus knew the difference between urgent and important. He knew the difference between what was the most important things in his life. Dorothy Sayer said, under all of Jesus' gentleness, there is a purpose harder than steel. He was so decidedly purposeful about his mission here on earth that he would not let anything distract him from doing what he was called to do. And we have to be that way in a way. We have to really remember, why am I here? What does God call me to do? And make sure that that stays at the forefront really keeping Jesus at the center. Number five, and this can be a little challenging, accept your unipresence. Okay, the Lord is omnipresent, meaning that he can be everywhere. But we are unipresent, meaning we can only be in one place at one time. <laughs> so oftentimes, you know, if you think about it, we're trying to do like three things at once. And, uh, but really, if we, if we really can accept it, we really only have the power to be mentally focused in one place meaning we can't be on our phones while we're trying to have a meaningful conversation with someone. Uh, truly, like, we think we can juggle it, but our brains really can't. We, if we want to be fully present here and now, we have to make the effort to say, I'm going to be here because I'm here, and I'm not going to drift somewhere else and be worrying about everything tomorrow or be worrying about everything yesterday, but I'm going to be present for what I can be. Think about, you know, there was a time in my life, and I'll just be vulnerable with you. I, I remember it was just such a busy season, and I was just feeling so overwhelmed. And my nieces and nephews came over to play, you know, just randomly, you know. And I really had to stop and make a decision because I was playing with them, and I was thinking, man, it's time. To, I need to be doing my homework, you know, things like that. But the Lord just convicted me, like, stop. You know, your nieces and nephews, they need this time. It's only going to be for an hour or two. Be present with them. And that's a really hard thing to do when you have a to-do list long. But they really were more important. Really, our families, our loved ones, they are more important sometimes than maybe even the A+. And I'm saying that from someone who got a B. You all remember Brother Kelly said that he gave me a B. <laughs> but I hate it, right? I hate it. But really, what, what is the most important? What is the most important thing? And we have to stop sometimes. But here's the interesting thing. In Matthew chapter 12, there's a story where Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and he says that his family comes, and they want to talk to him. And he he, the subplot, I know he basically says, well, here are my brothers and sisters, basically. But really, the subplot is he's saying, this is more important right now than my immediate family. He's saying, teaching the word of God to these people in this moment is my higher priority than spending time with my family. And that is a really hard subplot. And I think a lot of us hate reading that scripture because most of us would be like, oh, stop what I'm doing. What's the, what's the need here? 
but he really had such a focus. And so we really have to accept we are only one person. The number six, and this is a really big one, is to embrace productive rest. I'm working on this so often. But to redeem our time like our Redeemer, we must embrace the God-designed rhythms of rest, which are counterintuitive for our goals, that are counterintuitive to our goals and our souls. In the mid-1800s, Americans fled to the West in droves in search of gold and a better life. But according to the Emigrant's Guide to California, published in 1849, it was the gold rushers who rested most, specifically by observing the Sabbath, that reached their destination quickest. As the guide shares, those who laid by on the Sabbath, resting themselves and their teams, reached gold country 20 days sooner than those who traveled seven days a week. They got there 20 days earlier than their comrades who just traveled as much as they just booked it, you know. And so sometimes rest is one of the most important things that we can do. It can be one of the most productive things that we can do. And we have to be intentional about how we use that rest. And sometimes, even when there's a million things to do, we do have to stop and remember that we are just dust and that we need rest. And so (laughs) I love it when people say, you know, look at Elijah. He needed a nap and a snack, and then he was back on the road. You know, and sometimes that really ministers to me, honestly, when I see that meme. I'm like, that is so true. I probably just need to get some sleep and eat some food, and I'll be back on track, you know. So it's just practical things. But we, we really do live in a society that is, is really trying to destroy that rest, trying to keep us on all the time, trying to keep us pushing all the time, when really what we need most is just a day well spent with family and the Lord. Um, Brother Haney said, you know, the days I spent with the Lord, I never regret. And that's really true. They're never time wasted. Number seven, and this is a big one eliminate hurry from our lives. So to redeem our time in the model of our Redeemer, we must embrace busyness while ruthlessly eliminating hurry from our lives. Now, I read a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, and it was one of the most powerful books that I have ever read. He basically boiled it down to some of the worst moments in his life was when he was in a hurry, when he yelled at his kids, when he, when he uh, you know, sped 20 miles over the speed limit, got a ticket. He said, the worst moments in my life often come when I'm in a hurry. He goes, but what I've learned to do is I ruthlessly eliminate hurry from my life, which is counterintuitive, right? Because you think if you're really fast and you, you know, you do all the things you got to do, you're going to get to your destination quicker. When in fact, most of the times where we've lost our keys, when we really knew where they were, or we, we get a ticket because we're going too fast, or, you know, just like so many things that come, we think from hurry. But in the end, it really isn't good for us to be always in a hurry. And he said, Jesus never came off hurried. Kevin DeYoung put it in this way. Jesus was busy. In fact, the Bible says that he was so tired at one point that he almost couldn't go on, that he had compassion, right? But never in a way that made him frantic, anxious, irritable, proud, envious, or distracted by lesser things, even though he was busy. But he was never, it seems like, in a hurry. Even when Lazarus had died and people were like, Jesus, come on, where are you at? Like, oh, my goodness, you know. Or he's, he said, we're going, but we're taking our time. I got to do this first. He just never was in a hurry. And so those certain things, I feel like, are helpful for us in redeeming the time. I want to end tonight just by looking at Psalm 90 because it really stands out to me um, what the Lord tells us about our time on life. And this is more looking at the big picture of it. There's certain things that we can do to, you know, really buy back the time that we've been given. 
But in the end, we always have to have the bigger picture of what the purpose of our life is. And I, I want to do this by um, an illustration. So in verse 1 of Psalm 9, it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Meaning that the Lord has existed for eternity. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. There is no beginning. There is no end. He is eternal. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. A thousand years ago was, can someone help me? What year was that a thousand years ago? 1,021. That was a long time ago, right? But a thousand years, everything that's happened in that time frame is like yesterday for the Lord. Amazing. He doesn't live in the same sphere that we have. But in verse 10, Moses says, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. And this is what really is amazing. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to remember how much time we really have and what are the, what is going to be the finality of that? What is going to be? I'm going to show a little illustration. I'm going to put them.
Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's an eye opener, and it's not. Not as many. And you know, it's it's not to scare us. It's not to freak us out. We we're all in life together, but it is to help us live with more intention. Help us to keep our focus on the main thing. The main brother Hurst used to say, "You got to keep the main thing, the main thing," and that is the truth. We do, and we have to con- consistently remind ourselves. And so, hopefully, maybe one or two things in here helps you for for how you are using your time. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Got to live it with purpose. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so why don't we all lift our hands tonight? Why don't we just take a few minutes to just talk to the Lord, talk to him about our time, talk to him about helping us in this day and age we live in. Lord, we thank you, God, that you give us purpose, that you give us promise and so much hope in the days that we live in, God. I know there's a lot of distractions, there's a lot of things to keep us away from you, Lord, but I pray, God, that We just live with greater intention, redeeming the time, God, in these last days, Lord, using it to the best of our ability to move the kingdom of God here on earth, Lord. We thank you so much, God, for the body that you've given to us, for helping us, giving us grace. We magnify you, Lord. We pray that you'd bring everyone here safely back on Sunday and bless the rest of their week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much.